0: What's up, good people in podcast land? Welcome to Convene. I'm your host, Chris Penrose. Convene is a conversation series with a narrative art. Since 2017, we have brought the creative community in Toronto together to dive into topics ranging from creative direction and visual storytelling, to contracts, pricing your work, and space to create. This podcast is dedicated to sharing the audio from those conversations on today's episode we are sharing from convene b-side of the music business this was a full day of workshops performances and panels taking place inside of free space in toronto building a marketing plan was a workshop supported by factor canada and was for anyone in the music industry working on a project for release i co-facilitated this conversation with juan lucas who is a curator and mover of culture in toronto conversation featured Mark Nabetta from marketing agency Trevor Peter, Carrie Riley from Sony Music Canada, marketing and brand manager Drea Saffo, best known for her work with Rap Season, and A&R and executive producer T-Nice. Just a heads up, when people get passionate about sharing knowledge, sometimes they throw some explicit language in there. So there's some of that in this episode. Enjoy. So everyone's good with that? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, with that said, I um, co- wanna introduce, co-facilitating the conversation with Marwan. You wanted to say a little bit about yourself?
1: Hey, my name is Juan. I'm gonna be his, uh, his Robin to Batman kind of thing. I've just made it up on the spot. A uh, Little bit of background, working for a major label. A little bit of background just being seen in Toronto over the years and just uh, seeing people trying to get the word out. A big part of marketing is how do we get the word out and effectively connect with a a result that we're looking to get. So we're going to try to ask some questions of each other and help facilitate a conversation that allows us to figure out how we can effectively execute our goals.
0: Great. And so I'm going to go through. If you can just now, each of you, say one line about yourself and how your work connects to marketing. So Mark, if we can start with you. Uh yeah, my name is Mark. Um uh, my name is Mark.
2: I work at Churra Peter. We're a creative agency in the city. We work, work on a number of lifestyle brands that you see the work around. Uh my specialty particularly is on like product development, uh brand strategy too as well for those brands and execution too in the city.
3: Yeah. Uh yeah, my name is T Nice. Um I'm an AR executive producer. Uh you know, my specialty is basically project management and uh artist development through marketing, too, as well.
4: Hi, guys. I'm Drea. Um, My background is, I don't know if you're familiar with Rap Season, but I co-built that in terms of digital marketing and branding and selling out a lot of shows in the city. And yeah.
5: Hi, everyone. Can you hear me? I'm Carrie Riley. I work as a senior marketing manager for Sony Music Canada, overseeing the planning, execution of national and domestic uh, artist marketing.
0: Great. And so the first question I want to get into is a very practical thing. When you're about to build a marketing plan, what where do you physically start? Is it budget? Is it mood board? Is it a template? Like you're b- building a ma- marketing plan. You're coming out of that meeting where you have to go um, start that. Where do you begin? Carrie, I'm going to start with you and then run back through.
5: For us, it's all about the music and the artist. So we'll start with what it sounds like trying to conceive who the target audience is and the depth of the release. So if it's a single versus an album versus an EP, if it's a video concept and concepts that are rolling out, we look at that first. Of course, then we look at if our target audience is a niche audience versus a national audience, what the budget scope would be.
4: Amazing. Dre? To follow that, I also look at target audience first. My background is more different. It's more in shows and events. So it's like, who are we catering to? Who's coming? Why? And who's it for? And then from there, we kind of facilitate, like, I go into budget. How awesome can I make this experience? What can I make this stand out with? And if I don't have that, it just honestly goes into what would the target audience like and community enjoy?
3: Yeah, just to follow up, we mainly look at the strategy. We mainly look at the artist uh, branding aspect of it. And we target you know, in detail with either they local or either, because it could be from UK for example. So we target that by also involving other parts of um, people that are experienced in that realm and basically just executing that, you know.
2: I think on our end we really just start with the objectives, like what are you trying to achieve with a plan? Um, are you just trying to drive to retail are you trying to create awareness? So it starts here, because that will literally just kind of dictate what channels are going to be and what your channels uh, are going to then straddle into your strategy. Um, So you just want to start figuring out, really, what you want to achieve with your campaign first. Secondly is the insight on which you're operating. So what's that key idea that's kind of led you to this moment to want to build a marketing plan aligned to your product? So ultimately, it's. You know, In simple terms, it will be, why do you want to place this product in a specific space at this moment to this consumer? And once you can answer that question, then you can start figuring out what the different strategies are to hit that consumer that you have there and be in the specific spaces that you have to as well.
0: Yeah, that's an amazing, that's so clear for me. As a non-marketing person, I'm like, oh, maybe I should start career marketing. <laughs> I feel like I understand it now. That's so clear. I love that. Well, it's all about, you know,
2: Marketing is about emotion, right? So as you create anything, it's what kind of emotion do you want to steer out of the audience? So is it just to get someone to react and go purchase, or is it someone to just be attracted to the music or the show or anything you put out there, and everything ladders down to there?
1: You know, I'm going to jump ahead to a different kind of question. Um, And it's about budget, because a lot of people here Who's who's actually marketed a project? I need, put your hands up if you have actually marketed a project at this point. And I'm gonna ask you a question. Did you have a budget of five if you've had a budget of five thousand or more, put up your hand. If you had ten thousand, put up your hand. All right? So we I wanted to get a, a sense of what kind of numbers we're working with here. So, you know. Carrie's worked with artists, you know, like the Justin Biebers and the Chris Browns and the Outcasts, and then you've worked with local artists such as, give me a couple of local artists.
5: Uh, notify, Sean Desmond.
1: Notify, Keisha Sean Desmond, use your mic.
5: Notify, Sean Desmond, Keisha Shante. I would even consider Justin at the early days a local artist because nobody had a clue what was going on when okay. we did.
1: Except Usher.
5: There we go. But <laughs> Usher. Yes, I know.
1: <laughs> so I just, I asked that question about the budget and what kind of spend. Because I, I think that sometimes that people feel often handicapped by the amount of money that they have. So I want to know what we do to be creative. I want to know what we do to um, overcome that and how we make our, our, our budget and work for us, right? So um, when you have no to low budget, what are the main priorities? Um, if you could only spend on one element, what would that look like? I'm going to go to UT Nice. Low budget? Yeah. So let's give me a quick artist, and what would you do?
3: Um, so with low budget, I mean, I would definitely look at um, the strong areas of that particular artist, just so I could really exercise the budget that I have and not basically throw everything on the wall and see which one sticks, right? So if the artist is basically, I don't know, uh, have 20 strong Uh, uh, fan base, I should say. Just 20, you know, because you can multiply make it 40 and then 60 and 100. So I'm looking at that as, okay, that's the strong base they got, then let me invest in that. That budget that I have, let me invest in that 20 people. Now, if that 20 people can tell another person, another person can tell another person, in that way, I feel like that will work in the sense of like using, or at least Getting the budget where it's worth, right? Because if it's a low budget, it's really, it's really hard. I don't advise people just to try and see if it works or not. You don't have time for that, right? So I would really exercise on what the strong hold is and then just execute on that.
1: So building awareness with your existing core base right. and kind of feeding that and hoping to grow that organically. Right. Okay. And you go for something more tried and tested. Exactly. Okay. Not just something gimmicky, but something tried and tested. I'm going to ask that same question to Drea. Um, What are you doing? You're coming from a digital space. so I
4: am. I'm coming from digital and events. And to me, sorry, low budget means uh, more work, actually. So when you have a low budget, you have to make sure more people know about it. And you got to use what you got and pretty much make something out of nothing, technically. So if I'm taking that, that means I'm setting out my priorities. What's more important? Is it... The ads I create, the mailers I sent out, or am I producing low-budget content and doing higher ads with that? Um, It's also about kind of, as well, oh, thank you so much, definitely. Sorry, guys. I'm a smoker. I'll apologize. (laughs) Um, I also think with low-budget, it's creating something that doesn't look like it's low-budget. So uh, with pretty much concerts and events when you have a smaller show you do have a smaller budget but the always the key is to sell out the show so i'm not going to redo a facebook ad a million times and change my target audience no i'm going to use my resources get a mailer done get a different flyer done change my tone talk pretty much talk about it online in different various ways so if i did an instagram ad i'm not doing an instagram ad again i'm going to go to google and i'm going to do a youtube tailored ad and i'm going to pretty much do $25 for five hours because that five hours is more important than $100 over four days. So it's really about being more strategic when you have a lower budget. Well, how do you find
0: that five hours to, that you're going to choose in a day? Because it's not random,
4: right? Yeah, it's not random. you got to study analytics. So when you go in the back end of anything, if you have Instagram right now and you have one of those business accounts, you click on the analytics side, it shows when your fans are active on like your fans. Who's looking at your stuff when? Why, what are they clicking on, what are they saving? So I spend about an hour studying that before I put a strategic plan into place. That's why I say with low budget comes more work. When there's a higher budget, I'm not really studying analytics. I'm like, all right, but let's do grassroots here. Let me get a thousand dollar production budget. Let me create some content. Let me do this, let me do that. Smaller budget means more tedious attention, like eye attention to detail and more planning for sure.
1: Right, So yeah, you can't be sloppy. And one of the things I, I identified when you said that, both of you said, is knowing your audience. Yes. I think it's really important that when, we, when we talk about marketing is like to actually know who we want to talk to and how we, what we want to say to them to connect to those people. Because sometimes we're just like, I'm going to put the word out. And it's not enough to kind of connect with people. So it's really important to know who you want to speak to and what you really want to say to them. Amazing. Um,
0: Mark and Carrie, I want to ask you both about the marketing plan, the infrastructure, the architecture of it. Um, A lot of times we talk about marketing and talk about marketing plans, but what are the core elements of it? Like what should it include? What are the key things so that we can break down that word a little bit? I'm wondering if you can both jump into that.
5: Do you want me to go first? Yeah. So for us, we're definitely looking at the demographic, psychographics, including those details. We're also looking at the analytics. Um, Can
0: I just pause? What are psychographics?
5: Uh, basically, where the consumer lives within the space. So are they shopping online? Are they going into physical retail outlets? Um, are they going to shows? What shows are they going to? Um, behavioral studies, essentially, looking at how they behave within the scope of the music in which we're promoting.
0: And and if you're not say working with an entity like Sony. What's the kind of grassroots or DIY version of accessing that kind of information? Or what would your direction be on that?
5: Well, we look at similar artists as well, right? So if the sound is similar to somebody that's doing something in the city, say we're looking at a local artist, we're looking at what shows have they played, how successful is the narrative that they're communicating, what's working for them, what's not working for them, and try and fill the holes and voids in our planning with respects to the artist proposition that we're putting forth.
0: That's an well, that's, that's amazing, so it's like looking at Case studies?
5: Absolutely, we look at all things. We're looking at international artists. We're looking at domestic artists. We're looking at you know where the artist sees themselves in the narrative of the, of the conversation that we want to communicate outwards as well.
0: And so, Mark, are there other elements that you see in a marketing plan in addition to what Carrie is saying? Yeah, in a lot of cases, when you work
2: on lifestyle brands, a lot of conversation will be around disruption. So, you know, the first thing that will happen is then the, very, the channels, the way the experience can come through, right? So an integrated marketing campaign will be digital, print, so also out of home, but also have experiences, simple term, brand activations. Um, so in a lot of cases, once you've zeroed down your target, uh, you've zeroed down the geo sort of location where you want to be, how are you disruptive in that area and in this space? And it's both digitally and all the different platforms that you're going to go through. So it's what the technology is that's out there that can help amplify that plan that you have. And that kind of has an impact on the technology, too, as well, because mm-hmm. you want to be smart in how you use your tools. A budget's a budget. It's fantastic when it comes in. But, you know, if you're going to use $100,000 just to have an AR activation and it's not going to hit anybody, <laughs> what's the point, right? Um, so you want to be smart, really, how you show up. And so really in a lot of cases where the plan will start, and where you have the objective and the insight is what the different channels are going to be. Uh, Is there more value in being fully digital? Is there, do you want to go experiential? Do you just want to story tell through community? Because that's also a smarter way to be able to go through there. You know, if you do a simple way that you see it every day will be, you know, footwear seating or apparel seating. That's a simple way if you have a low budget and you have a product to be able to place it in the market. Um, So you want to start there. I mean, you pick the channels that you want and then you kind of bring it to life.
1: When we put this together, Chris and I, we were talking about, The perspective of brand, so that's the reason why Mark sits here with us today. Um, These three typically operate from a music space. You're working more with larger budgets, typically. Um, Much larger budgets. Some of the clients you've worked with- Much, much, much larger (laughs) (laughs) budgets. So I just want to contextualize things, and I'm also also, going to make sure that I plug this in. There's a lot of marketing speak, so like when we talk about disruption or AR or whatever, let's try and make sure that we- um, Articulate what those words are directly, so everybody understands. I don't want to assume that everybody knows every single term. Um, But um, give me like three of your clients that you're working with or have worked with in the past. I can't. Okay, so we won't. (laughs) We're not going to. But there's there's footwear in there. Major footwear that people people are
2: wearing. Major footwear, streaming, and higher level e-commerce. Okay.
1: So when we thought about why Mark might be a good fit for this, it's like. Uh, I'm going to deviate from the script for a little bit. Artists that uh, you work with, or the artists that a brand would be interested in working with, what do you look for when you're looking to partner with an artist? Or what, what is looked for, even if it's not you? What is typically considered when you're looking to partner with an artist?
2: Alignment and audience. Okay. And I think you know, the biggest takeaway I would ever say is for anyone who's trying to work in brand partnerships is build a brand pyramid. Um, there's a pyramid that you tier from primary, secondary, tertiary. What a, a brand, brand pyramid? So a brand pyramid is basically you're ranking the brands that you think you want to work with and align to what your storytelling or what your personal brand is or what your message is to as well. Um, it will usually have a pinnacle. And it will, it will all depend on the person too as well, who you want to work with. But if you really are looking for partnerships, just start scaling those. See who it is that's in your in your perimeter that you want to work with and start realizing if they're saying telling the same story as you. So storytelling, I mean, as a musician, you have the natural ability to storytell. All your channels and all your medium is all about storytelling. But does that align really to what the brands are kind of working with? Because ultimately what I do want to warn everyone all the time is that you have the opportunity to work with brands and it's great and it amplifies your message. And it also exposes you to a new consumer perhaps that did not know about your product. But in a case where you aren't prepared to be in a space where you can storytell in parallel, it could can be cannibalized too as well. You don't want to just have a peak moment and then be utilized as a platform and then vanish after. You want to become an equal playing field where you can kind of partner with a brand and be side by side, work together, and then power up the way it goes to. Because a brand will always have the power to then be able to bounce back on their different priorities that they have. So see where the brand is. See where the message are. If really you want to work in apparel, look at the different brands that align to the story that you're telling. If really you're someone that wants to tell a grassroots story, what are the brands that are out there to tell a grassroots story? And then go from there. Simple examples that you'll take in your market will be Roots and Jesse Reyes. They, it's a Canadiana brand. It's heritage brand. Roots want to tell a story about the new Canada, how Canada looks now. So you put Daniel Caesar, Duke, Dennis, Jesse Reyes. That's the new Canada. For them, it worked too, as well, because those are two artists that go around the world and are proud of telling the Canadian story. So that alignment kind of brought into play but on a simple playing field. We're Canadian, we're all proud of being Canadian, and we wear Canadian. That worked there. It doesn't take away from any one of the two. So find an alignment. Do a brand pyramid. See who it is that you want to work with. See what story they're telling. If it's not similar to you, maybe it's not the time to be able to work with them. But find the avenue through which you can actually do that. That's the smartest way of approaching it. And perhaps there are brands you can work with directly that aren't, perhaps, big in scale, but you have an opportunity to find a way in to align your story
0: with. I want to follow up on that to Carrie Drea and T nice. Um, where does this in your strategy, connecting with brands, maybe leveraging the brands that or resources that brands can bring to the table, um, the amplification that brands can offer play into how you're approaching marketing and but also, um, what are some of the cautions that you also have in mind where, to mark 's point, you know like you, you can just be a part of their campaign, and now you're more known for that campaign than your own um, music. Um, do you want to carry,
5: yeah. I can go first um, to your point, there definitely has to be a brand affinity. And with that in place, like we'll look at particular brands to see what our messaging is and how it aligns to the brand. And we're also looking at brands from a different perspective when you're talking about a major. You're talking about budget offsetting costs. You're talking about scale of campaigns. Um, you're talking about local activations and how they can be complemented by brands as well. So we could go... like low-end and say we want to do a release party and we need brand sponsorship to offset the cost for a release event. Or we could be talking about a national advertising campaign that we want to align with a brand partner to see what they're doing in, you know, whether that's TV, print, or digital space to further expand our audience in their lane as well as leveraging the artist's socials or the artist's platforms to communicate a message that is on brand with what they're communicating as well. So... Amazing. hope that answers it. Yeah. Drew?
4: To both points, I'm just going to say it has to make sense. If it doesn't make sense, you're kind of wasting time. If you, Let's say you do one of those, um, what are they called? Those charts where there's two circles, one in the middle?
0: Venn diagram. Venn
4: diagram, yes. You do a Venn diagram. If there's no similarities in the middle, scratch that, next brand. You know what I mean? Just keep going. The tone has to match. The audience has to match. Everything has to, kind of has to align, and it has to be progressive. If it's not progressive for you, for the brand and there's no growth or there's no kind of, I don't even want to say, not even balance, but just um, something that could help both parties, you kind of are, I wouldn't say wasting your time, but kind of move forward. Um, The reason why people kind of partner up with brands or do a brand partnership is to introduce new audiences. So if you're not introducing a new audience or you're not being progressive, then it's the wrong brand for you or the wrong partnership. So just keep searching and digging. You can build it out with literally just strategy, target audience, everything these guys brought up. It must make sense.
1: To build on what, what Drea said, typically, it is to, to, to amass new audiences. Sometimes brands want cool. That's why they're coming to see us. So they want legitimacy in different spaces. So just because someone's trying to throw you the bag doesn't mean that's what you need, because that may be a brand that just doesn't suit your, your value system. So I just want to go back to thinking about what you were talking about before. Think about who you are and what you want and what you represent. If there's somebody who just doesn't represent what you're about, you really need to think about how you want to engage with these folks, even if they got the bag.
3: Just echoing basically what she said. It just got to make sense. If it makes sense, it makes money. So at the end of the day, with any brand that's going to partner with you or do any type of work with you, it has to make sense for them, too. So um, making sense, meaning like just basically seeing. To me, it goes back to uh, the ground up you have to bring something to the table, you know? You just can't be like, oh, you know, I'm this and that. You have to bring something to the table in order for, for everything to actually make sense, pretty much. Can I add something?
0: Yeah, yeah, jump in.
4: If it don't make dollars, it don't make sense.
0: <laughs> um, Mark, can we just get the list real quick, like, for a successful pitch to a brand, from an artist, from a team? What, what are the, what's in that successful pitch? What's in a successful what's pitch? what's in an unsuccessful pitch? Like just point four, for an artist or for, for an, an artist wanting to partner with a brand, just from your experience with it. Because like, and I guess I'll take a step back. Like one of the conversations you know I had with for the panel tonight with Tanisha was you know, if you are thinking, look, I got all these fans and you should give me all this clothes and this money because I'm gonna make you look good. I'm gonna expose you and the brands. just like. No, mm-hmm. like that's, that's not how we're thinking, that's not how we operate. Um, so that would be the example of the pitch that's unsuccessful. What, what would be the elements that are in that successful pitch?
2: I wouldn't say there's four, I'll just say I'll go back to what we just pretty put on, like it's affinity, definitely alignment. Like how, if you look at yourself, and you look at them, what are you positioning? How are you saying that you're saying the same thing? How does this work out? You're, so you're painting that picture to
3: the
0: brand. Yeah, we, like this, this is, is how where I'm at. This is
2: where I'm at, this is what are y'all doing, this is how this works. Like, this is how we can, I have an audience here, and this is how I can amplify you or give you access. Be wary of access. Again, you are a gateway into culture. So you know you have to understand what your weight and your ability is in that space to open the gates. Um, and I hate to use the word gates, because it always comes back gatekeeper. But again, you are a key into culture. And a lot of brands want to enter culture and have that conversation with a consumer. So in a lot of cases, you are that point of entry. So if you can amplify that and explain how you're, you're that gateway, that's another conversation to do. And lastly, too, as well as what the benefit is. Same way if the dog make dollars don't make sense, they want not know how they're gonna make dollars out of this. So ultimately for you, it's like, well, this is how I envision this happening. If it's a product collaboration, is it 50-50? Is it 75-25? However, the numbers kind of stack up. And lastly, if you can offer metrics, you know, big data is the reality of our world based on my engagement and how I can come forward and the records I have sold. And if you, do an, if you do a local activation, this is where my following is in this location. This is the kind of metrics you will have. Deliver any metrics you possibly can. I think, again, you know, a great space right now is that Facebook and Instagram business profiles allow you f- access to a vast amount of insights and information you used to have to pay for, which is awesome. So use those to your advantage. Pull out, see where your audience is see where you're impactful, what your most successful channels are and amplify that in your pitch and put that forward.
0: Amazing. Um, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask was just because we're in Canada, we have the grant system and there are some grants that are out there for marketing music um, and and that can also be an advantage when you're independent that, you know, you're, if you are looking to work with a major, they can't access funds from the grant system necessarily. But as an independent artist or small-scale artist, you can. Um, are there? Do any of you have thoughts or experience with where people should be looking if you do want to access um, marketing dollars for music?
5: Ontario Music Fund, for sure. Um, I would say the resources used from a independent and major standpoint when you're talking about Ontario Music Fund because they have grants that allow you to focus on marketing, promotion, touring, artist development, um, all of those facets of an artist brand essentially. Uh, from a marketing standpoint, you would either have the artist management team fulfill the application and we would complement it with a full-scale marketing plan. Um, but again, independents do it every day. There are other f- grants that were in place previously that are no longer in place, unfortunately. But one of which that still is standing as well is Star Maker. But Star Maker is once you hit a certain threshold of sales, then you qualify for uh, grant uh, complement to whatever activity you're willing to invest in as a artist as well.
1: Yeah, I'm going to jump in on that because you know when we think about Star Maker um, and OMF and a lot of stuff, you do have to have a track record. If you don't have a track record, look at all the grants. Look at the smallest grants, if it's $1,500, if it's something to create a demo, look at all those grants. Because I think when you look at grants, and I I was a person that a lot of my friends were just like, yeah, whatever about grants. I'm not feeling everything. Just because it's there doesn't mean it's worthwhile. Because there's constrictions to it, right? And you you have to deliver the way they want to. But a good part about grants is an exercise to think about everything that you may want to articulate. Does that make sense? So it's just an exercise that you do for yourself. and like, These are stakeholders. What do they need? What do they want? And how can I tell my story to get more people involved? So for the sake of nothing else, look at a grant as a process to clarify what you're trying to articulate to an audience. And that's a good starting point. A lot of these grants, because they may not be available to you right now, doesn't mean you can't grow to reaching them later. So apply to smaller ones, get known, and most importantly start to talk to the people who work for those organizations, build a relationship, and ask questions. Because a lot of times people look at it like it's an ivory tower and it's over there, and if they neglect you once, that they're not rocking with you, you got to make sure you're known and that you're real, and you build a presence. Does that make sense?
0: That's absolutely true. Um, We're going to take a couple of questions before we wrap this session. Um, but on that grant thing, one of the things too I I will say is that, you know, factor is another one and they have supported this event today, but one, if you can't articulate your project in a grant application, then your project's not ready for the world. And so I think that exercise is not a waste of time. Some people feel like, well, well, why am I going to fill out this grant? It's not guaranteed money. Like I'm wasting my time. No, but you are actually giving yourself an articulation of your project. And also you're building a relationship with the funders and go for the small ones. A lot of the simple thing with the grant world, when you think about it, like if I have a $100,000 grant, $50,000 grant, I don't know you. I've never heard of you in my life. I've never seen you around and I see your application and you want $100,000. There's no trust there, right? But if you went went in for the $500 grant, it's like, oh, they did the 500 grant. They did it really well. You go in for the $5,000 grant. They did that, they did it really well. So now it switches to, they have to put those $100,000 grants out the door. That's their, that's their job. They're, you get to the point where they have trust with you. They're like, we want you to be the one to get this. So,
1: Yeah, nobody comes out of left field when it comes to those things. You, they want to see that you have a track record and that you've earned it and you've worked through that thing. So I guarantee you, I just will say this, it'll refine your elevator pitch. If you don't have an elevator pitch and you can't articulate who you are and why your artist is important or why your label is important, you got it wrong. You got to go back and work on an elevator pitch because when you see one of these people in the hallway, when you see a brand or you see somebody from a label or somebody from a show, how can you let them know that you you got what it is in the quickest?
0: Cool. So if we can, we'll take two questions now and then we're going to um, switch into the workshop session. Um, yeah, so if we could just... Pat, I think that mic there, we'll pass that one around. Who are two questions? We had one in the back here.
2: Thanks. Uh, my name's Freddie. First off, really great uh, presentation here. Uh, I just had a question between audience and community. I know we kind of use the term interchangeably here, but I think there's, like, an important distinction between the two, a community being, like, a really engaged, like, uh, like. Cohort of individuals that are drawn towards one particular aspect, wh- whereas like an audience is people who you just sort of like put stuff in front of and they just view it essentially. Uh, so brands working with communities—is uh, it really important to understand like the amount of followers they have, or are they looking for engagement and
0: influence and impact and connection? Um, I feel, Dre, you must yeah. uh, thoughts on that. <laughs> I do have Seeing you work.
4: <laughs> Um for me when I say community I think the thing is with audience there's three there's three parts of it there's your target audience well it's your primary audience your secondary audience and then your tertiary audience your primary audience is your community it doesn't really matter what their numbers are but if they're like oh here if they're on road if they're you know the right people I never say you need 100,000 followers but if you have 500 of the right people following you word will get out So community to you could mean anything, but really it's your primary audience, because those people are as important as you. And they're going to be the ones kind of elevating, whether it's your brand, your event, your artist, or anything than that. And then your general audience that you're kind of just marketing to would now be your tertiary. And your secondary are people that are interested, but want to know more. So now you're kind of like changing your tone, or changing what you put in front of their face for them to understand it and be like, oh, I want to be like, yeah, this is cool, this is dope, or yeah, I, I kind of, I mess with this? I'm going a, I'm to a align myself here, too. You know what I mean? As well as community, I'm not saying an influencer or anything. Sometimes it happens in every city. People just want to be where other people are. So if you put the right people as your target audience and they're the ones kind of amplifying whatever you're working on, now your audience, your general audience, will just show up and show out. Because like, oh, they were there. Or, oh, yo, they're going, I'm going, for sure.
5: So.
0: Carrie, how does a major think about that? Distinction I'd say the
5: exact and... same thing, to be honest with you. Like, <laughs> you hit that, like, out the park. <laughs>
0: no, we can't, we can't shut down the knowledge, man. We can't shut it down.
4: Knowledge
0: um, No, I, and I think that distinction is amazing that that was made. So thank you for that question. Because that difference between community and audience is, like, I'm trying to genuinely share something with you that I believe in. Or I just want you to buy something. I just want you to see something. I just want you to click it. Like, and that, that difference is brilliant. So we have another, one more question. Any other questions? One thing I just wanted to
2: add, just to the point that he raised, um, what's important for you to retain from this is that all as storytellers, you are protectors of that community that you build, right? Because brands all want to tell a story. And you're that point of access to that story. Again, I go back to understanding who you're letting in and how you're letting them in because that story that you tell is ultimately where you create that energy and that hype and where those brands are going to be drawn to. So as you look to influence, if you want to think about audiences where demand lives, right? So whatever you're telling, whatever story, whatever message you're putting out there is overall who is being evangelized by it. Your community is who you're retaining and kind of narrating to every day. And they have you have captivated them. And that community you've captivated is who those partnerships you get access to. So whether it's 500, it's two people. It's just your family. It's your aunties on Thanksgiving. Like, that access to it is sacred. And you're that person that gets to tell that story. And you get to shape that, too. So when you go into a room or you approach a brand partnership position, you know, this is a bit contrary to what people will tell you, but come from a position of strength. Like, don't, don't come uh, trying to, you know, do the pitch be like, yo, I think I really should be like, no, like, this is who I speak to. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is how I think it works with you you'll get a lot of no's. No's are prevalent. That's okay. No, it happens every day. But do understand that you are the protector of a community and you are a storyteller for that community. You're a voice for many people who gravitate to you, whether it's through visual arts, it's through music, or any sort of platform. And you create that energy that will then draw a show, that will then draw a label, or draw a brand that will just come and do that they can go from fashion nova all the way to lvmh but you create that energy and it's access to that community that you create so come from a position of strength be confident in who you speak to be confident to who it is that you've captivated as an audience and just speak to that and stand your ground on it
0: Yeah, jump in. I want to do a closing thought from each of you because I think that's a great closing thought from Mark. And if you can each...
4: I was just going to say to the no thing, don't let a no deter you, man. No's are practices. No's means you're not ready yet and that's okay because if you're not ready today, you might be ready next week or in two months or for a better opportunity. Don't let a no stop you from anything. I've gotten a million no's and I guarantee everyone here got a million no's before we got to, you know, being able to sit here kind of thing. So a no just means that it's cool, there's a few loopholes, you're gonna face it, you're gonna get it, you're gonna ask whoever your community is to kind of fill, help you fill in that gap, and then you're gonna come correct and come again, and then you're gonna probably keep hearing hearing no and no, and that's completely okay, because you're just practicing. And at the end of the day, we're all just practicing. So. amazing. us talk about practice, man. Practice, let's <laughs> talk about practice.
0: Um, Tina, you, want, you have a closing thought on the conversation? No, they said it all, man. Kerry?
5: I just want to jump back to the grants and just make mention of the fact that as an independent or a manager or a label or a major, it's equal playing field. It honestly is. If you're speaking the right language at the right time about your project, the doors will open eventually, of course, because you know it takes a lot of time and energy to get those doors to open sometimes. But it's an equal playing field. There's been many a situation where we've applied for money for. A particular artist activation or branding scenario and we've been told no but we hear of the fact that an independent was told yes so definitely keep you know your your eye on the prize essentially and keep knocking those doors
1: adapt to real-time feedback like get the feedback adapt and adapt really quickly store it don't take it personal but understand where it fits you know what i mean and a lot of times things may not work in this market just because people aren't ready for it doesn't mean the rest of the world or other places aren't receptive to what you're doing so take that feedback don't dwell on it but know where it fits and keep it moving you know
0: mark you had a huge smile on that is there something behind that or no no like... yeah go seek it out right like you know
2: perhaps this is the city or this space or this audience is just not for you again that's going back from you know, an agency had is take a look at your metrics, right? Perhaps your messaging is resonating more people in Atlanta or Houston or Iceland or wherever. But like, you know, look at who is really gravitating to your message and then go there. And then go and interact with that community that you've built and be part of it and help amplify that message. Because clearly you're saying something that's resonating to those people. So go find it. And then you power it up, you build from it, and you different, build different layers to it. And perhaps when you come home, it's a homecoming show. You know, and you've, but you've told the story that then, you know, can go across borders. And the beauty of our city is that we're so different and multicultural, and we, we, can, we can just go anywhere and blend in and just be part of the, like, we're just part of the environment. You meet a Canadian in Brooklyn, and you don't even know, like, it's just what it is, right? So, you know, we have that versatility that can allow us to go different places. I don't think a lot of nationalities or a lot of countries have that. So use that versatility. Go and find that message that's there and then amplify it
0: and Toronto loves welcoming home people who've been successful elsewhere. (laughs) Fact about a city. Um, All right, so on that note, I just want to thank first our panelists for this. If we just give them a round of applause. And we have to thank um, FreeSpace, Thank Factor for putting this on. So if you did sign up for the workshop portion, the challenge now, and is what is the thing right now that you can do? Is it just, whether it's on your phone, paper, if you have your laptop, um, however you're working, what is that step, what's that grant you need to, get started what's that research you need to look at what's those you need to you know look at how you put your instagram to a business account what have you ever looked at analytics like let's look at that right now um so welcome you to the the session section over there where the tables or chairs are and um we will i will be calling out people for the one-on-ones again those one-on-ones are 10 minutes intense like what's your challenge what are you trying to figure out what's your main question where are you stuck or what, what is the thing that you're working on? And just go in 10 minutes, brainstorm on that. Thank you very much and uh, enjoy. Uh, uh, what I will also say is I invite you to enjoy the rest of the day here. We do have our workshop coming up at 3. That's on labels and management if you're registered for that. But the panel at 5.30 is open. So if you want to be here for that, that's the deal on deals in depth like breaking down the details of every type of deal 360 publishing management deals distribution independent versus major we've gotten really thorough in terms of what we're going to cover for that and we're finishing by 7:30 so we're not going to be <laughs> the reason why you miss tip-off of game 2 so <laughs> thank you, thank you. I am- Thank you for listening to this episode you can find out more about convene at watervision.com or on instagram that's w-a-t-r vision convene is founded and produced by myself chris penrose through water vision creative production editing and sound design of this episode is all done by martin and young we are going to keep these conversations going so we will connect again in the next episode